Anderson Silva is thankfully back at sparring, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. With me, Glory's best tweeter. Did you get that award in person, Raph? Did they give it to you? Uh, well, Karen Bryant was not happy to see me get it, but she'll live. Raph Esparza joining me right now, and I love that picture you're referring to, the mm. picture of you at the Glory Press next to Karen. Here's what I'll say about that. I feel bad for her because we were sitting next to each other, and I'm telling her, I'm like, Karen, I'm very sorry. And she's like, why? And I go, because... I'm taking away all of your ethos. Like, you all are now a, a no longer a credible journalist just sitting next to me. <laughs> um, she was thoroughly entertained. Karen Bryant and uh, the good folks over at MMA Heat, including Wade, uh, they are some of the nicest people to work an event with. So, uh, of course, it's always a blast whenever we run into each other. But at this particular juncture, at that press conference, uh, she looked at me, she's like, are we sitting next to each other? I go, yeah, of course. And... There were so many things happening during that press conference. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly happened, but we're going to talk about that and all that much more that did happen from the fights, the stuff that actually was super awesome, uh, a little bit later on the podcast. That's right. Dmitry Gerasimov will be joining Gerasimov. us to talk about it in a weird accent that I'm sure is fake, by the way. I'm 95% sure it's fake, but you're the accent Geronimo. judge. <laughs> so we're going to... Talk first, Raph, Metamorphosis 4. Okay. Who do you think could be in the secret match? Is it well, possible? Tell them what that is. Well, you, you can't just say it's a secret match without letting people know well, what that if means. That means people know as much as we do. There will be, at Metamorphosis 4, the announced today, a secret match where the people fighting won't find out until the day of the event who they're fighting. If I can so put it in uh, holic terms, this is pretty much how it went. Uh, okay, so like, um, you know, there's like a secret match, but like, I can't. <laughs> I wish I could tell you guys more about it, but um, you know, it, it's just really like undercover on the streets on the highest level. But uh, yeah, so the participants they won't even know who like is involved. You know, like it, it's gonna be like crazy. You know, that's first of all. I have a question, mm -hmm. uh, Kevin from Verbal Tap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it? Keeping them a secret possibly going to hurt what could be really good marketing and PR for the fights? Oh, no. Okay. So, okay. I see what you're – that's a very good question. I really like that. Um, let me go ahead and address that by saying, like, what is a secret? Okay? <laughs> uh, so, I don't know how, to, how people have conversations because you're doing a shockingly great job. And it completely threw me off my game. It was like, I don't know what – how do you follow up with what's a secret? Uh, why are they, is this, is this just a Halleck thing or is this a real, you think, do you think this is a good marketing move? Let me ask you. Okay. We are fans of innovative and uh, creative contributions to the mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu genres and jiu-jitsu in particular, because everybody's trying to figure out what format works the best. Obviously we like creative ideas. And I'm behind it now, a thousand percent. Maybe ten possible dates of who it could be. Yeah, because Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour, where Hollick basically announced all this today, uh, point blank asked him, like, do we know who the participants are? And Hollick had to take a second, and he just goes, uh, yeah, 
yeah, you know who they are, which made me a little nervous. Um, because here's the thing. It may appeal to all of us who are hardcore jiu-jitsu people, but um, who is the mystery person? Uh, here's Kev, also... I will... You go ahead. I, I want to hear what your thoughts are. I have a strong position on this, Raph. If it's two people that are badass, like if it ends up being like a – he's got to go Bravo Gracie style. Like he has to go all the way to the far right of badass and he'll forever set the tone that the secret match is cool. Okay. If it's just like two people that are up and comers and that's how they're trying to do it, I don't love that. This has to okay. be two giants. Like Sh- Cyborg and Shaw are fighting again. Do you want to know what my plan is for this? Yeah, badly actually. I think I'm really excited about your coverage of this event specifically. Okay. Here's my idea for the secret match. I think what's going to happen, and this is maybe a marketing genius move. Holic is going to like promote the secret match. We're going to get there. And we're not going to find out. He will actually keep it a secret. And it's because day of event, he's just going to look and see what athletes came. <laughs> that's uh, That's actually... What if that and then is he's going to look over and he's going to be like, oh, shit, who came today? Uh, ah. Can somebody go talk to Joe Rogan? Like, bring him here, bro. Like, I- I'll talk to him right now. Like, Joe, you're already here. Like, you're already wearing essentially a rash guard. So, like, I mean, just get out there. Just do it, man. Do it. You're like the Holic Gracie whisperer because that feels almost like exactly what he's probably thinking. I hope uh, that's Also super it. funny. Yeah. <laughs> and here – but, okay – who would you fight in a secret match, Raph? You can't do me a favor. We can't refer to it as a secret match without referring it every single time. <laughs> yeah, we can. It's forever now. It's, it's the only way I'm be. actually addressing it as a real thing is to refer to it as secret match. <laughs> you keep, yeah, you do a really good whispering. You've got more range. That's what it is. That's my options. Um, other big news, love that Vinny and Keenan are fighting. Love yes, that. That'll be it will be staffless, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh it will be staff free. Don't forget, I... Keenan was the one who during the press conference said like Yeah, he told me he had staff yeah. and I was still like, Let's do it. It's cool. <laughs> like how bad's the staff? Is it really bad? Yeah, let's do it. He also said when he saw him, he looked nearly dead. So that yes. just gives you a little insight into it, where Keenan's at on the whole. This is how important jiu-jitsu is. <laughs> but remember, Vinny's the guy that tapped out Almeida at Grappler's Quest, I believe, once upon a time. Put him mm-hmm. in a straight footlock. Rough. Um, voting things bar. from a Wikipedia page now at this point? Mostly, I, I watched it when I was like first getting YouTube addicted to jiu-jitsu. I watched mm. it. Well, Raph, outside of our buddy Kit Dale and Arch Nemesis, I don't know, because of the whole <laughs> podcast thing, Kit Dale and Gary Tonin, do you believe Chael Sonnen and Andre Galval will get on the mat together and fight a fight? I want to believe, Kevin. I will put this out there right now. Uh, do you mind if I address just the audience as is? No, I actually think it's really nice. I think it shows that okay. you don't just have a gear set to mocking me and that there's some. I, there. Well, the thing is, it's not a gear. Like, have you just fall into these things? 
I don't come into the podcast being like, how am I going to get Kevin today? It's literally like I get exhausted making fun of you because it just it presents itself in front of me. And then I go, oh, fuck. All right. Fine. Okay. <sighs> All right. So but it's sort of it's like a nature versus nurture thing. It just it hits you. I'm not sure you know what that means, but I would like to say this to our audience. This is important because I, I don't think Kevin differs from me on this idea, but listen, jujitsu nerds. Yes. On paper, does Chael versus Galvo make any sense? Nah. However, that's beside the point. We can't continue to complain how few people know about our sport. If we don't have the eyeballs, Chael presents us a rare opportunity to get the eyeballs I'm not saying that the match is going to be genius, but I will wager a bet to say it would be more interesting than, say, a shobbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that standard is, is pretty there, and especially with somebody who's crossed over with MMA. And I last time I checked, Chael Sonnen has more of a Q score in MMA than Brandon Schaub. Am, am I correct on this, Kev? Yeah, he does. Yes, definitely. Okay. okay. So what I'm saying to you guys is this. Look, the upside is great for Chael because it allows him to reposition how he wants to talk about whatever's happened with him drug test-wise. So it's a great PR escape for him there. And he's coming in not expected to win. And if he wins, then he's the best in ever and he can run his mouth off forever and ever. And he gets a happy ending for his fucking story. But, like, I just feel that this particular thing, which, by the way, Kevin, as... Hollick was saying on the MMA hour, he said that this match wasn't even in consideration until after the drug test fail. Okay. Yeah, we so, know, first of yeah. all, by the way. We, we, <laughs> thanks. Thank you for clarifying. Let's just make sure to clarify because for the people who weren't sure how this came together, I think it allows us to reach outside of that world. So before you guys shit on it in the jiu-jitsu community, <laughs> keep that in mind when you are about to then complain, maybe about 10 minutes later, about how no one gives shit about the sport. So ran over. I'm done. Loved it. Agree 100%. And just to kick her, once again, Chael's a pretty elite wrestler, and elite wrestlers do give jiu-jitsu guys trouble. So, uh, and just, any, you want to make it more fun. Well, like, Chael Sutton's more fun, period. He's going to be a blast to have. Hey, Jiu-Jitsu world. Don't forget, if you want more coverage, check out our new project called Around the Mat on YouTube, on our website. We're teamed up with other BJJ pundit crazies. You're going to love it. Around the Mat. Check it out, please. Metamorphosis 4. Can't wait. Transition alert. <laughs> Raf, are you prepared to hold up to the media scrutiny that the Ultimate Fighter review has been getting? It's hard. It's really difficult to continue pushing people away just because of how popular it is. It's hard. I agree. And, you know, with all the admirers and the pictures people are sending in that are a little inappropriate but appealing, I yeah. guess, in some ways. Yeah. We just need to focus on the basics, the fundamentals. Are you ready for the one-minute review? You know I am. I have my broken stopwatch ready. Warning. This is the one-minute review of The Ultimate Fighter. Brace yourselves, because here we 
Previously on The Ultimate Fighter, Chris Fields and Matt Van Buren said really stupid shit to one another and apparently dislike each other for reasons that aren't entirely clear to anyone. Then, Mike King braved through an eye poke from Eddie Gordon to still come up short and lose. Now in the final prelim, this Irish bastard takes on this cocky SOB. Today on The Ultimate Fighter, Matt Van Buren explains he doesn't like Chris Fields because Fields said that they'd make for a great fight together. Wow, glad we cleared that one up. Then, Team Red takes a swing at Fields' piranha teeth. Low blow, Team Red. <laughs> Low <laughs> blow. BJ tells us that Fields felt weird about getting lucky and having his opponent break his leg during the fight to get into the house, but that he's got heart and believes he can win the whole thing. BJ tells us he was planning to use Fields' height advantage to win the fight, but since Van Buren is taller, that's out the window. So, like, the new game plan is to, uh, you know, just um, try really hard, brah. Man, does BJ even care? Guess what? It's time to visit the Harley Davidson store. Last year, the teams got Kane Velasquez. Let's see who the cast got this year. Oh, there he is. It's MMA's version of Daniel Bryan. Michael Kiza drops in because he has nothing better to do. And Corey tells us, man, I love Harley Davidson motorcycle because when I was a kid, my father had one. You know, I'm all like, I'm going to win one, you know, for sure and stuff because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to win. Then the teams turn BJ Penn into the gayest leather cop this side of the village people. Michael also plugs a motorcycle featured in Captain America 2 in theaters two months ago. BJ then informs <laughs> us that he's not a bike guy, but that he knows a lot of people drive Harley Davidson and bikes back in Hawaii, which probably means about five people, and that if he ever happened to own one of them, he'd definitely be a bike guy. Hint, hint, team pen members. Matt Van Buren says he took up MMA to stay out of trouble, which is really odd considering that he's caused all of the drama in the tough house. At the way, it's Fat Pat says it's going to be a good fight, and Diego makes the assumption none of us remotely paid attention to anything in the entire episode. Man, Matt Van Buren and Chris Fields, they don't like each other, yo. Thanks, Diego. I think we covered that. Ole, 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 ole. Stop the chant. It's fucking dumb. Then Chris Fields says that he normally is not one to wave a flag. But to hell with it. Why not today? Then proceeds to tell us it's USA versus Ireland. And it's weird because 50% of America is Irish. Has he seen a census lately? Does somebody want to inform him about Mexicans and Asians? No bother. And Gutter tells us that everyone knows that America is the best country in the world. So when he wins, he's going to jump over the cage and celebrate with his team. Fines be damned. And the preacher man offers to pay his fines. Hmm. Wonder where those collection plate offerings are going now. And Chris Fields tells us he fought his first professional fight for free. Or what's known as in Ireland, a bar fight. Matt Van Buren says he doesn't have to pretend to be nice to everyone because he's a grown-ass man. He's not a kid. And if he doesn't like you, he can just come out and say the first thing that comes to mind without even thinking about it. You know, not like an immature adolescent at all. Moments later, BJ reveals his killer coaching game plan for Chris Fields. Um, basically, it's just don't give up, brah. Wait, what? It's official. BJ does not care. Hey, Dana's back, and more bored than ever. Dana, two rounds. You know what? I'm just going to sit the fuck down because I don't fucking care. Round one, up against the cage. Gutter knees. Fields punches to the midsection. Gutter knees again. Fields to the midsection again. They stop, and they go right back to it. Knee, punch, punch, knee. Round over. Time for a pep talk from both corners. Do you want to win this fight? From both sides of the cage. And BJ's corner slaps fields in the face and he starts to like it it gets really awkward round two lots more of the same only this time there's some more side control and maybe a darts looking choke and uh, you know the most excitement in this fight is actually coming from the coaches 
End of round and fight. Thank God. Now it's time for Dana's performance highlights. There were zero fucking performance highlights in that shit. Zero. Fuck these guys. You had to sit through and watch that, and now I'm fucking angry. Back in the ring, Dana says, so the judges scored this fight irrelevant. Matt, you advance. You don't fucking win, so get out of here. After boasting about getting five fighters into the semis, Frankie Edgar walks into a meeting with Dana who proclaims, is this the season of fighters who just don't fucking want it? Gulp. And BJ wasted no time agreeing with the boss. Yeah, boss, it's like they're the worst, bro. I've been telling them that. Pujay then says in a testimonial, I've been telling people Dana White is in the house. Don't let DW waste his time, you know? Meanwhile, Frankie just kind of stares at Dana like a guilty kid who got caught shoplifting. Dana tells us, normally I call the guys in to fucking ask who they want to fight. This year, I'm just bringing them in to fucking yell at them for wasting my time. Hey, fuckface, do you care? Hey, gutter, your performance fucking blue. Hey, Irish fuckface, be more fucking interesting than being fucking Irish. Hey, you, fucking backwards cap. Fuck you, Zapata. Fuck you with your terrible wrestling, too. Fat one, fuck you, too. Ooh, here's a cookie. Land a punch every once in a while. Eddie Gordon, who the fuck are you? I don't even remember fucking hiring you on this shit. Gutter, I swear to God, if you tell me you're fucking trying, just fucking win. Then Dana closes out by dangling a carrot called money in front of every single fighter. Get that money. Get the money, goddammit. If I have to fucking sell this shit, you better fucking get that money. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, Diego Lima, you're cool. Now everyone get the fuck out of here. And Frankie goes to offer Dana his picks for the semis, and Dana just gives him a look and says, yeah, I got this, thanks. At the fight announcement, Dana yells at everyone, <laughs> even the people who were eliminated again, as saying, stop being such a fucking terrible show. But that doesn't stop the Dana White machine from trying to pretend to get excited about these semifinal matchups. The matchups, Cajal versus Eddie, Corey versus Pat, Diego versus Roger, and Dana says, I'm basically feeding Zapata to Diego because I want him to win this shit. Van Buren versus Spawn, and Van Buren still sucks, but you know what? Spawn had one good knockout. Next time on The Ultimate Fighter, the drunk losers let themselves go. One gets naked and wants to wrestle. Dana takes them to GSV versus Hendrix to get the guys amped up to fight. And then Eddie takes on Cajal, and hopefully Eddie won't be killed or anything else like that because Dana is just dead set on killing the rest of this cast for being too boring to increase the ratings next time on The Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, that was one minute and three seconds of the best review I've heard all season. Thank you. I do watched you this. Have uh, an official like timestamp that you can send me. Like, do you have a photo? Because, like, every time we go back and do this, I listen when I review these things, and I feel that you are entirely inaccurate on your times. I would just like to say. I'll that. send it to the replay board, obviously. Okay, thank and you. And I'll have them issue an official decision. If I have filled out the paperwork, so I'd like to get some official documentation, please. Thank you. That's okay. all. <laughs> Accepted. Uh, Dana's hatred of this season came to a serious boiling point <laughs> in this most recent episode to uh, to a level that was not okay, and someone should say so. Why is it not okay? It, he can't just go in and mafia don the show around and like scream at these fighters halfway through the show. Like that's not how it works. <laughs> Get into you some know, quarterfinals and see. It's like, I'm sorry, it's kind of boring for you, but come up with a different alternative than I'm going to scream at these fuckers for a whole hour. Can I tell you the, the most magical part to me about this is? And I, if I had more time, obviously I'm, I'm sticking to a very one minute uh, time yeah. limit here, but like, if I had more time, strict. I would love to point out the irony or the coincidence, if you will have it, of Dana telling each fighter, like, 
in testimonials after the fact. It's not this guy's fucking fault because this guy did this. It's not this guy's fucking fault because this guy did this. And it's like, if you really listen to it, he's making excuses for every single one of the fighters. But as a whole, he hates them. <laughs> the only person he doesn't hate is Diego. And we love Diego, too, so fuck we you, get it. Like you. Diego, Diego, you're cool. <laughs> Diego literally walks in and is just, like, smiling. And Dana goes, do you fucking want this? And Diego's like, well, yeah, bro. Like, oh, man, yeah. Like, what? What? who do you want me to fight now? And Dana's looking at him like, yeah, that's a fucking attitude. Yeah, yeah, let's make you a fucking winner. But to everybody else, he's like, do you want this? I keep telling these guys, they fucking suck. And then, like, two minutes later, he's, like, making an excuse for them being like, you know, this guy did this one thing. The only person he didn't sell out, or he did sell out, out of, like, the whole set of people were really Zapata, who then he credited. He's like, I thought this guy sucks, but he's got heart. And Van Buren, who you can tell he just doesn't give a shit about. It'll... I will say this. It'll be interesting if he comes a whole 180 if even one of these quarterfinal fights is good. But, you know, Dana, if you want to make the show better and more fun, just invite us next season. Mm -hmm. We will add some regimented creativity that might be watchable beyond people just talking about the same stories we've been listening to a lot. Um, You know, we'll do a little less of them, a little more of their abilities and non-abilities, and then it becomes like the real-world ultimate fighter, and who doesn't want that? I will say, I think I love challenges, so I think that'd be great. They can win immunity. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, like, if they hit a tire uh, all the way down a field and whoever does it fastest, I mean immunity that week right i don't yeah. know i'm just spitballing i'm not giving you my good answers yet dana we could add some funny stuff well hey the pitch gotta, meetings both ways dana you let us know what you're that. thinking and we'll come on. yeah but happy to uh, do it yeah so so there's that i i will say this dana has gone on record as saying the only people who might be fucking fighting in the finale or the fucking finaleists yeah and uh very clear He's he's not made that a secret, which is great news to everybody else on that card or who was on that season. So good job, everybody. You've you've brought it out of him. We love it. We love Dana slowly unspooling. Uh, join us next week for the quarterfinals. Well, actually, we're at the semis. Whatever the fucking semis. You don't even know anymore. You've been so bored. So and you just, <laughs> don't even give a shit anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super jealous because these two got to see some very high-octane kickboxing out there at Glory. We have special guest to describe it with us. Fights with Systems Training Center, fights with Victory, um, and just a badass in the cage, Dmitry Garizmov. Dmitry, how are you doing this evening? Hello. Uh, really well. I got to I watch. Got to see Glory this weekend. I didn't get to see Glory this weekend because I was. I don't know if it pay per views or not or uh, how it is, but I do get to see them in the months out on YouTube. Um, uh-huh. And I've gotten to see some of your fights now too. And you, sir, are one mean fucking striker. <laughs> Thank you. All right, gentlemen, you were both at Glory fighting. For those that don't know, and for me, just kind of describe what Glory fighting is 
Uh, so Glory's uh, it's a kickboxing show, um, and they put together a, one of the cool, unique things about Glory. They they do these uh, eight man tournaments. Um, so fighters, the finalists end up fighting three times in one night. It's probably one of the most uh, one of the di- most difficult ways you could possibly fight between all. Like, I mean, they used to do that in Pride back in the old school UFC guys would fight multiple times in one night. But you've seen that kind of disappear from uh, from MMA, but uh, kickboxing still holds it up. And even with you know jiu-jitsu tournaments where a lot of times guys will fight uh, guys will fight you know five six matches. Uh, to get to the finals, even with, with just three, I mean, you're talking about the highest level of kickboxing where guys beat each other up. And I, like, I've actually, it was particularly spectacular because one of the fights, Joe, Joe Schilling versus, uh, I forget the guy's name, went into the fourth Marcus, round. Went into, go for it. You're uh, talking about Simon Marcus. The the very first fight between uh, Joe Schilling uh, and uh, <laughs> Simon Marcus, uh, Kev, if you're going to start a tournament, do you want to have a war? Yes, to badly. Start your evening, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because that's exactly what happened for Joe Schilling, and and we're no strangers to his talent, and uh, he's a friend of the podcast, and so we're rooting for him. He fights like uh, an axe murderer. Yeah, yeah. And in this first fight, he has already expanded an amount of energy that I would call um, tiresome. But uh, basically, Kev, this is how exciting it is. And this is why we love uh, Glory so, so much. When they end up tying the entire fight, the scorecard comes out tied, they have to go to a sudden death round. So essentially, they go to overtime and it's a fourth round. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Diva walk us through what he saw in the fight for the first three rounds, and then we'll come to the overtime. This is the first fight of the night. This is the first fight for Jesus. Joe of the night. Okay. So I actually I I remember the last round more vividly than I that just kind of stood out to me. So like I just I know that the, the the fight was neck and neck, and I can't describe it in great detail uh, as much as I'd like to be able to. But I do remember the last round, and I don't I don't know if you were going to take that one or ask, but uh, but the last round was really exciting to me because that's where. I mean, just to how it ended. Am I am I cool to go go for uh, go forward with it that fourth round? Uh, I appreciate you asking me after the <laughs> fact of just doing it. So yeah, I guess we might as well <laughs> just it. keep barely ahead. I just love it. it's like, Raf, were you gonna take this one? Uh, Kev, let me tell you about that last round. <laughs> well, so the first three rounds again, very competitive, uh, and and like Raf mentioned, they call it a draw, right? They go into the uh, overtime round. And uh, the other dude gets not keep so it's again really competitive. Both guys are going for the kill. Uh, the other dude, Mark, uh, what was his name? I'm sorry, Simon Marcus. Uh, Simon Marcus, thank you. Simon Marcus ends up getting his mouth mouthpiece knocked out twice, right? And and I like I don't remember. Was, was, did the ref give him a point deduction for the second time, or did he just warn, I think did he give him a warning? He did because I think you're underselling how many times. I think it actually fell out like a third or fourth time because <laughs> right, right. at some point, you know, you feel bad. You're like, oh no, his mouthpiece has fallen out. I feel bad for this guy. We're talking about at three minute rounds, third, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At around the third or fourth time in the three minute round, you start to think. Uh, is Joe just doing a really good job hitting it out of his mouth? 
I was just going to ask, was it just falling out because he was, like, screaming and spitting it as a tactic? Because I respect that. Or was he getting hit in the face? I was getting hit. and Yeah, I mean, it was during exchanges. But So here's the the spectacular part. So, I again, I think it was – I think he got the point deduction, which meant he obviously had to, like, now go for the kill because the point deduction basically – in, in an even in, a, in the final round in the over death uh, sudden uh, uh, sudden death round, um, he's gone for the kill. And at this point, Joe Schilling all he really would have had to do was defend, right? Not get hit, not get knocked down. Would have taken that round. What did Joe Schilling right. do? Joe Schilling cracks him, knocks him out while knocking his mouthpiece out. It was it, it was so <laughs> like it, I had the perfect replay of it. Oh my God! I, Kev, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, there was a suspended celebration. We we were seated right up there, so you, you could literally see everything. And I wanted to cheer so bad because it was such a destructive knockout. But the way that Marcus fell, he was heading toward that like post, like the left hand post, real bad. Where I thought his head was gonna just bounce off of it. And I was like, I'm not gonna cheer until I know this man's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see him roll around for on. just a second. And it took a while. It took about a good five to eight minutes for him to really be moving. And it feels like eternity when you don't see a fighter move. And then when he finally does, cut to me at the press row, just making like the very tiniest of, yay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I Especially when it's live, those moments hang over the entire arena. Much longer. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I literally fell out of my seat because those stupid chairs, even though they're uh, the folding <laughs> chairs, would unfold every time. You, every time you get up off of them, take your weight off of them, they would unfold. I forgot that the chair did that, and I sat on my ass. No, so, clearly, you're, you're such a smart human being. You couldn't outsmart a chair. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I did. I, I will say this, Kev. I actually went to go check in with Dima and the systems crew afterwards. And I guess they see me pull up to them, and I think they figure, like, oh, what's Raf going to say? And I'm just like, is everybody okay? And it's all with seriousness. Like, is everybody good? Because that fight, I think, took it out of us all. I know I'm exhausted. <laughs> just <so you're> <laughs> and with these – and, Dimitri, this is where you can shine some insider. I mean, his bout against the chair aside, he, is, he does fight these things and understands. When it's a last-man-standing tournament, meaning you have to beat up everybody – What's your mindset if your first fight goes into OT? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that has to hang over the fighter's head. But the, the reality is you might have to do this another two times that night. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of it, 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 attrition. I can only imagine. I've never fought twice in one night. I've, uh, and I can only imagine how much that attrition. Because, I mean, like with, with MMA, you, know, you, have your, you have your fight. Because if it's a war, especially, you're like, oh, shit. I mean, that, that, of course, that moment comes in the back of your head, like, I'm glad it's over. You win or lose. Yeah, it's, there's it's no more ordeal. of this bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, they don't, they, don't, they don't have the – it's like you win, but, but shit, you have to do this two more times. Well, so, Kev, maybe we're, we're underselling the fact that the next two fights for Joe Schilling were going to be wars, uh, yeah. one, the person he lost the title to – Ooh. And two, the person he won the title fighting. Oh, fuck. So it wasn't exactly an easy road for him afterwards. And Artem Levin uh, ended up winning the entire tournament. 
many would argue that he had a much easier pathway to get there. But I mean, that's also in a certain way kind of underselling Artem Levin's ability. Like Artem Levin is, is a great fighter and he and Joe had a war at Glory 10. But, uh, you know, Dima and I were actually talking about this as well. We said up until Joe's supreme knockout, and I don't know how to rank this either way, the fight, the first fight between Levin and uh, Schilling was one of the best fights we've ever seen. That's yeah, amazing. glory time. It was amazing. I mean, I I didn't think it could be top, and it, they, I felt like they did it this, uh, this time around. Just overall, like speaking of the event itself. But yeah, I mean, even that glory 10, well, I didn't even, I, at the time, I didn't know, understand the glory rules. So they're in the tournament finals, and it, it, what happened in the finals was uh, between uh, Levin and, uh, and Schilling, it was called a draw. And everyone's like, oh, what the fuck? And then the announcer goes, but by Glory's rules, we can't have a draw in the tournament finals. So we go on this sudden death round. I mean, the crowd went crazy. Because I, I don't think, I, I think probably half the people there didn't know that that was the Glory rule. So, so yeah, I mean, Joe Schilling knocked the Artem Levin down in the uh, in the overtime round, in the, in the sudden death round, which kind of, you know, obviously gave him the round and gave him the win. Um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. Like I can't, I can't give it, give it enough praise. I have it's a like, question specifically. Okay. What did Schilling knock out Marcus with? What was the? I, I think it was a left. It was it was a left hook. Ooh. I, yeah, I think it was a left hook. It might have might have been the right, but I'm pretty sure it was left. So I'm you sure guys... you're wrong. It was actually just his good luck. He just had a <laughs> a stare that he gave to him, and he just fell on his own accord. He's like, ah, oh, no more. I'm done. It's his blue steel. He just throws it. <laughs> these people takes him out. I mean, there's I... a reason why he's prominently uh, promoted on all of these posters. <laughs> By the way, with Last Man Standing, they should definitely have Tim Allen present the award at the end of the How night. How dare you? That's my only stipulation. That's hey, free advice, Glory. He's available. Trust us. Terrible. He's starring in Last Man Standing. Um, do you guys feel? Talk to me about the guy that won. Do you feel like he? What did he do that was a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more different? Because I'm curious about like how people win these fucking bloody. Oh, by the way, go Google YouTube Glory fights right now if you've never seen these. It's nonstop punching and kicking and knees. Yeah, three 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 minute rounds. I mean, they're forced to. Beat the shit out of work. each other. Yeah. So who won? I'm uh, sorry. His name is Artem Ar- Levin. Artem Levin. Yeah. So Artem, Artem Levin. This is like why I think. So Joe Schilling is 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 gritty, and I mean by by his by, by his own right, by any competitor in glory. I mean to, to a certain degree, they're of course uh, incredibly uh, proficient technically. But Artem Levin is, is, is kind of a technical master. I mean, his head mm-hmm. movement's unbelievable. He doesn't waste a single movement. Joe Schilling's more of a grittier fighter. You know, he, he packs a lot of power, and, uh, and I mean, he's tough as nails. So it was, uh, it, was it made perfect sense because they're, they're so strong in, in their own uh, respective aspects. But because Artem Levin was able to, Use his head movement. His defense is really good. He ended up taking a lot, uh, a lot less blows. Plus, because he, again, as I mentioned, doesn't waste any movement. Didn't, you know, he wasn't putting everything behind every punch, but was outpointing the guys that he was fighting. 
Not to say that Arvin Lemon can't knock guys out, but if he can, we've seen it. Um, but I think that will kind of make the difference. But uh, he avoided getting into wars of attrition throughout throughout in, in his fights when Joe Schilling was, you know, was going to war with everyone that he was fighting. So by the time they yeah. got to the finals, I think uh, I think stamina kind of made the difference. Do you think now that with this imbalance between, you know, who's better and, and who's great, because you could make an argument that between Wayne Barrett, Joe Schilling, and Artem Levin, they've got a series of, of matchups just between that set of, of individuals that could still be exciting, like wanting to see either Schilling and Barrett two sounds great, I would or three, I would watch that. I would watch Levin yeah. and Schilling three. So I, I yeah. think that Glory has something good to motivate with, and it was a perfect way to do their pay-per-view format. And the nice thing about this, Kev, is because the fights are so fast and because things are moving so, so quickly, you get more fights than you would on an average per any other card. So um, I how wanted to ask you as well. About, how many fights total? Uh, let's put it this way. From the fighters that we had, just on the pay-per-view card, you had about 10 fights on the pay-per-view card. God damn. Okay. So then, on the preliminary card, and they've got plenty of things happening before that, so they also had a Spike TV exclusive that happened for two hours, and I want to ask our good friend Dima to tell us a little bit about what he thought about the return of Mirko Krokop. So I thought, I honestly thought it was going to be, uh, you know, everyone knows Krokop, and that, I, I thought it was a bit of his fight to lose, because, I mean, Krokop, I have to, I have to admit, Krokop just hasn't been the same, you know, past couple of years. Um, but it was a bit of a vintage performance on his part. He just kept finding, he, well, I wouldn't say he found a perfect home for that left head kick, but he was landing it. He was, he was wobbling the guy over and over and it was a good fight to see. It was strange, it was, it was, Kev, up until that part of the night, nobody's kick had a more crisper and more unforgiving pop than Crow Cop. And yeah. I convinced myself for many years that I would never see him fight, but this felt like a return for Krokop that I knew when I was way younger, and I didn't like seeing Krokop just become obsolete more and more as he was fighting in MMA. That's awesome. I actually love that Krokop came back for this. Pretty cool, though. To get to see him fight. Oh, yeah. yeah and in sure. the post-press conference, I was literally right next to him, and all I could think of is I'm terrified. <laughs> no sudden <laughs> movements <Don't> hurt me <laughs> whatever you do this man is is saying nice things oh he's taking a selfie with karen bryant don't get in their way just <laughs> look down at the ground and don't make eye contact with crow cop do not uh, be in the background of this photo he will find me <laughs> he will hurt me Dima, i gotta ask was there any like fight or fighter that was surprising to you there uh well yeah i have the first admit that I missed about half of the fights because I was with Marcus and whenever you're with Marcus you miss half of anything that you're uh, supposed to be attending to. Um, Except your Marcus about, updates. Uh, wannabe uh, MMA journalist reporter Marcus Koval. That's who you're referring to, yes? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think so. I, <laughs> the guy that dude uh, that uh, Joe Schilling in the for the second fight, I mean, I, that kind of that was a toss up. I was surprised that they, mm -hmm. they gave it to Shelly. I mean, I think a lot of people were um, kind of glad because I wanted to see Art. I, I wanted to see Shelly and Levin fight in the finals, just because 
of how close the fight was last time. Um, I had my own selfish reasons. But, yeah, that fight could have gone either way. So, And I hadn't previously known about the guy. And I, I think that he, him and Schilling fought before, right? Mm, yep. Uh, Schilling, uh, very famously, I don't know if you've seen a photo of him, but uh, Schilling went on to say that he felt like he was fighting him a little too cocky in that last uh, fight between the two of them. And Ooh, there's uh-huh. definitely a picture of him with his arms just on his hips staring at him, and it looks like his Lord of the Rings <laughs> or Lord of the Dance summons against this guy where he's just staring at him, and it's the most thing that he, he – owns it now but he recognizes he was making that mistake of underestimating uh the knockout right. power or just the power of of wayne barrett so you were saying that wayne was probably the person who impressed you the most that night yeah i mean okay i, I was artem levine uh, uh just it, it to me is the most entertaining to watch just again because like as i mentioned before waste no movement bit of a technical genius but uh, but yeah, again, because I, I hadn't seen the other guy fight before, I, I was really impressed with, that, with his performance. Uh, craziest moment outside of the ring of the night? Anything good? Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> the second time I fell out of my chair. <laughs> fell out of your chair again? <laughs> it happened twice. Uh, yeah, I, I it, it happened. And, you know, the the funny part is, Kev, uh, I would say probably on my side, and, and I'll go more into this after, but there is one more thing I did want to talk to you about. You mentioned suspect calls. Were there any other refs' decisions, because, you know, we are in the sport of MMA, that you felt was a little on the not right side? Good uh, not to my recollection, but who did you uh, – what, what did you have in mind? Well, I'm not trying to lead you into anything, but – I'll let you know what the Twitter was saying. Uh, ah. On social media, there was some, there was a, a quiet majority, one might say, who said that Joe, Bazooka Joe, didn't actually beat uh, DeBont. What were your thoughts on that? Ah. Uh, I'm trying to, yeah. Was this yeah, a Marcus yeah, yeah, Koval yeah, thought? Absolutely right. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I. You're totally right. Now, now I recall. I I didn't have him winning the fight either. And I mean, the thing is, is like I I definitely saw it as a close fight, so that's fine. Um, but I thought there was a clear and and, and definite winner, uh, just in that way. And, and and it was a weird kind of thing where you you respectfully just sit there, but the audience definitely wasn't into that decision. Can you maybe explain why they weren't uh, in agreement with that decision? Because he didn't win the fight. <laughs> okay, well, that's an easy answer. Good job. Because <laughs> you don't leave it to the judges. That's wow, the yeah, standard I, I answer, that. right? I hate that. I, you know, I can't stand that expression. Like, don't leave it in the hands of the trained, the supposed trained professionals who are there to <laughs> expert, ex- expertly judge the fight and and ascertain who actually won. Yeah, don't leave it to those guys. System. It's yeah. basically MMA's version of it. It is what it is. It's just uh, I don't know what else to fucking say. I'm super bummed, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty, yeah. pretty much. Well, I'm really yeah. jealous. I actually might have to buy the pay per view next time, just purely because amazing from the YouTube perspective. So. To switch gears, Dimitri, talk to us a little bit about your MMA career, specifically your most recent fight. 
So, uh, yeah, I just bought uh, Chinzo Machida at uh, RFA 15 uh, here in Culver City. Uh, and I... Fight. I'm sorry, go ahead. And you won this fight? No, fight did not go my way, unfortunately. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, Chinzo is the, I, Chinzo Machida is the brother of Leota Machida, the, the older brother. Um, I tried not to look at that. Everyone oh, says badass. The name. Yeah, but that's I, so I, cool. I, and, I, <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I never, you know, I told myself right off the bat when I started training camp, which was like right after my last, my previous fight. That uh, that I'm not fighting his brother and I'm not fighting his name. I'm, uh, but I did respect his martial arts accolades. He's like a 12-time national Brazilian karate champion. He took silver at the World Karate, I think it's Shotokan Karate Championship in Japan. Okay. Um, Can so I ask a, when you get to about the 10th championship, why count anymore? Yeah, <laughs> like, why does that even matter? Once you get to double digits, I think it should be like more than ten-time world champion. This <laughs> ten, guy. Plus. Uh, ten plus, ten plus, <laughs> ten plus. Um, you know, Dima, what did you learn most in that fight? I mean, everybody had such great words for you after that fight, and and the response I saw was so overwhelming. You know, what did you learn most in in fighting Shinzo? So, I mean, I. Uh technical I, I did make some technical errors i uh I, I didn't my game plan was to stay in his face the whole fight but what i what i didn't uh what i didn't do as well as i should have was was make it more of a more of a, a bar fight so to speak i uh mm. i fought him i stayed in his face but i fought him the way that i normally fight my my background is taekwondo so i fought him in a way that he would be comfortable with is i tried to like stay out, out on the outside uh and tried to throw pot shots, um, but you know, it, it's a lot of people said you know you prove that you belong at uh, the higher levels of MMA and, and things like that. I you know I I don't mean to sound cocky, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at 30 years old uh, still fighting if I didn't think that I had a place somewhere at the higher echelons of MMA. So I, I already knew that, and that's what, that's why I took the fight with him too because I hadn't even really really had a chance in my professional career to, to demonstrate my striking aptitude. I, uh, and I, I wanted to fight. say that too. You took this fight on super quick notice as well. Well, okay. So kind of, I had like, I had about, I had, I had, <laughs> I had six weeks to train for it. So it's not like super short notice. And, uh, when I was training for my last fight, uh, Scott Cutbirth from RSA had contacted me, uh, asking if I want to fight on the card. We told Scott we want to wait, or me and Ian, my coach, that we want to wait until after this fight, then we'll, we'll decide. And then, I mean, right after the fight, um, the previous fight, I lost by split decision. I don't think I, I, I don't think I lost that fight. It was super irritating because the guy did nothing in the second and third round except eat kicks, and he couldn't walk after the fight. All he did in the first round was take me down two times. That's it. Um, we well, so, shouldn't anyways, have left it in the hands of the judges. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right? So. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, actually, this fight with Chinzo. They didn't announce what the, the judges' scorecard said. So I don't know. I, I did notice that. That was a Hold little on. awkward. Hold on. What do you mean they don't announce the judges' score set? Was that? They didn't. They said they, they, they said Chinzo by unanimous decision. They didn't say what judge one, two, and three scored the fight. So I, to this day, don't don't really know what they what they uh, scored the fight. But uh, And bullshit. the winner, because we feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. 
we really want to keep this name happy, Machida. You know, you know, I, so I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I won that. Like the previous fight, again, I really think I won that fight. But this fight, I I, I can see how it went to Shinzo. I mean, he he, the first round was pretty even, and then he landed a couple of uh, toe kicks to my solar plexus and a really hard knee that like you know almost took me out of the fight. And oh, actually, damn. for the next two rounds, I had such a tough time catching my breath because it was it wasn't your typical body shots again they were solar plexus shots you know that the area right below your sternum you yes. get it really hard feels like the wind gets knocked out of you well yeah so I mean so I hit them hard and it, you know it showed in the fight even uh, I, I watched the, the video after I mean I already knew that I was hurt and then he knocked me down in the second round he caught me with a hard right and I uh, I went down for a sec. But um, I came back and, you know, I, I, I continued to fight him in the second round. I continued stalking him. I continued uh, engaging him on the feet. I took him down. I almost had a rear naked in the second and the third round. Uh, I had taken him down. Um, I, and third round, I mean, I continued. I, 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 I kept bringing the fight to him. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, like ended the fight with me taking him down. But, um, again, I... I uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I won that fight. I uh, I could have done more. I should have done more. I should have been a little bit I more. Don't uh, disagree with that, but I also feel that if you are subjecting yourself to being in a cage, the least they can hook you up with is the results. Yeah, sure. No, I agree. <laughs> the but very least, you're not actually for a lot. It's not like you're contesting the decision. You just want to raise your hand and be like, "Excuse me, can I just get some numbers?" There's one. Yeah. No, I did. Anybody? No. Nope. Make it legal? Maybe? Everybody? All right. Well, I'll go fuck myself then. You just let me know <laughs> I did. Score wise. Uh, but, but I, yeah, I mean, Chinzo, uh, Chinzo's a really honorable dude, and he's a nice guy uh, inside and outside the cage. I mean, I gave him a shout out in, on Instagram, and he replied, and you know, I said, thank you. I, I told him that it was a really good fight. It was an honor to fight you. And he replied and said, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. You know, really tough fight, really tough fighter. Thank you. So it was cool. I like the attitude you've got too. That's a good thing to have the uh, that fighter attitude. Did he offer yeah, to I... take you out for a nice drink of urine sometime later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Is that a no? no. He no. didn't. Okay. Uh, I just no, sorry. I we had to know. I was, I was pretty bummed about that. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll send uh, another Instagram message. You never know. <laughs> All right. Can I drink your pee? <laughs> that, that ought to send the no. message. Well, That's not uh, awkward. I think that translates to any language, so. <laughs> There's the, the... Use the Google Portuguese translate, and then you should be set to go. <laughs> well, Dimitri, we really appreciate you coming on to talk MMA, to talk glory. I'm uh, super jealous you were there. Though, and frankly, I think this is, goes without saying, but on behalf of the entire MMA community, thanks for braving the chair situation, mm. even after the yeah, second hey. time, to keep covering the fights. That's that's a warrior. I know, right? I, I'm telling you, I'm, uh, I've got I've got uh, I've got the warrior spirit. I I, I was I mean... thinking of tapping out after that first first chair fall. But... Kev, to his credit, um, this is how you know Dima's really he's legit. He wasted no time in a photo op with me to have a fight pose off with me. Now, I've never <laughs> had one of these. I never will. Uh, but, like, 
it's a very strange moment where Marcus is like, let me get a picture of the two of you. And so, you know, me and Dima are buddies. So I'm just like, all right. And we're like about to give like thumbs up and, you know, typical like, hey, this is my buddy. Uh, Marcus just looks at him and goes, no, 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 no. I want to fight pose. And I'm like looking at him. I don't get enough time to go, why are we doing a fight pose? I just see Dima just look straight into my eyes. And I was like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was really romantic. It was romantic. Well, Dima's uh, a professional. Was... He hears square up. Motherfucker gets to business. <laughs> I do love that afterwards, and this is 100% the truth of what he said. I was just kind of like, well, let's never have me do that again. That's uh, my first fight pose off. And he, and thank you for being a part of that. And Dima just looks at me, shakes my hand and goes, no, thank you for all of the boners. <laughs> he's like, well, <laughs> so you want to be a fighter indeed, guys. No, he is just, in your just, head. That's just protocol for me, dude. I say, I say that to all the guys that fight to throw them off. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. That would be echoing in my head for the next 48 hours at least. <laughs> Without question. Well, Dimitri, you... You were just talking, you and Raph were talking about one of your sponsors that sounds fucking amazing. Beard oil? What's it called? Man, ma- man Mask Beard Oil. Man Mask? Yeah, you That's can check the- them out at ma- ma- uh, manmask.net. They uh, produce some of the finest beard care products known to the United States. Does it make the beard uh, shine or grow more? Is there some sort of... No, it's just uh, it's beard oil that you use to like keep your. I mean, if you grow your beard out long enough, it's kind of get kind of okay. dry and frizzy and yeah, yeah. Been there. So, okay. Yep. Stop talking like you know, but, you know. I'm gonna check it out, Raph. I have a man's yeah, beard. Yeah, he has. He makes beard oils and like balms and does like he for uh he sponsored he sponsored me for my last two fights. He made me a custom wooden comb with my uh with my initials uh, uh, branded into the comb. It's real cool. Feels very manly also. Uh, yeah, so he's got all sorts of, all sorts of great uh, beard care products. I have to ask, though, for you, I know it's got to be cool to get sponsorship, but how much does this do for your ego to hear someone compliment your beard? Because I feel almost like that's the better way. Ah, it's funny because I get it all the time. I kid, I kid you not. I will be on the street, and someone will be like, nice beard, bro. And girls will yell out of the car, I like your beard. Um, and it, it happens a few times a week. Uh, it does nothing for my ego, because I, aside from putting some beard care products, courtesy of Man Man's Beard Oil, in my beard, I didn't have to do shit to get this beard. It just happened by itself. So so nothing, because <laughs> it's it's there. It came. It came by itself. I. I. I had to. Because you didn't have to work for it. Put, I get it. I did, Yeah. I had to do the opposite and put work in for it. Somewhere out there, there's like a poor kid who can't afford to grow a beard and can't have nice <laughs> things like <laughs> like beard oil to put into it. Has it frizzy? Is it a fighter? Doesn't live this like high lifestyle life? But I see you just take it for granted. That's fine. <laughs> It is, it is it is the embodiment of my laziness, actually, because I don't want to shave. Mm. There you go. <laughs> and it, for fighting, it just helps because, you know. Yeah. At all times. Uh, where else can people find you, Dimitri, so they can find out when you're fighting and continue oh. to flock to your fan club? 
Facebook, Dimitri Gerasimov, uh, Instagram and Twitter, D1 underscore MMA. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, my phone number, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, we'll post that in the comments. Right. <laughs> for... uh, oh, can I give can I give some shout outs? Am I allowed? Fuck no. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Uh, uh, so as always, uh, much love to my team and family at Systems Training Center. Check Systems Training Center out at systemstrainingcenter.com. Same thing, Facebook, Systems Training Center, or Instagram, uh, systems underscore training center. Uh, a, it's the best gym in Southern California. We're we're not just like a we're not just like a gym that you know has people come in, do the work, and leave. We're like a family. We try to make people feel as welcome as possible. We take all levels of uh, experience from beginners to, to, to professional fighters, which we have a ton of. Um, actually, shout, oh, speaking of which, big shout out to my boy Christos Diagos, who just won the Tachi Palace uh, lightweight uh, title. And uh, Emma Bortarian, who's fighting for the Tachi Palace uh, title, the 135 title, in uh, in two months' time. I just saw it. It looks exciting, man. Yeah. And then also shout out to uh, my team over at Team Victory in uh, Inglewood, best Muay Thai in uh, Southern California. Badass. And, uh, shout out to, and shout out to Jay, who fought on the Glory card and the Amateur card, who uh, who won his fight from Team Victory. Absolutely. No easy feat. That shit is rough. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining myself going through the three-minute rounds, and I am not enjoying it. I do not enjoy that visual. Dimitri, you are the best as usual, and we will be sure to post a photo of that beard. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Rafa Sparza, what a podcast. We get to talk some Metamorphs for our oh God, and uh, first of all, we should congratulate each other, which is a really great thing to do on mm-hmm. a podcast. Um, just congratulations! We kept that Metamorphs conversation way down. Yes, we did put it through the editing ringer a couple times, <laughs> so it is a much shorter version of what I'm sure went on for about 40 minutes. The original otherwise. conversation was three hours and 24 minutes. We narrowed it, it down was. to a system. You know, it was all the conversation we had before we started taping. <laughs> and we just, uh, we that were able helped. to milk it down. Uh, got to talk some glory. Got to have mm-hmm. the ultimate fighter review. Got to have Dimitri Garizmov. And Kev, let me just tell you this. Have you ever been in a fight pose-off photo? I have never been in a fight pose-off photo. No, I've never taken Neither have I until that moment. Yeah. And you don't know what you're thinking until it happens. What did you go with? And it's weird because... Uh, okay, so he basically, when he went, he basically had his arms like a little wide was his stance. So I had to go in. And uh, it was one of those things where uh, the guy who was coming to help us cover the event, and we want to give a shout-out to him very shortly, but uh, Alex Perez, who was covering with me, he was watching me from a distance. And I didn't know he was actually watching, but I was like, dude, I just got in a fight pose off, and I don't know what the fuck happened. That was really weird. And he goes, dude, you were in it. <laughs> He's so approved. What was Is that what he meant? Oh, he... He just was like, he goes, dude, I turned around and I was like, oh, there's Raph. And then like I took a split second look away 
and I saw that you went from like zero to a hundred. And I was like, because there is a dude who's a fighter who's looking at me like he wants to fight me. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Plus, when the camera's on, that's a little bit your territory. I mean, that's the thing is I have the advantage there. Once we get to the ring, ooh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> hey, that's not what this is a picture of. Let's well, be clear. This is, a, this is just a, this is a photo op. That's yeah, what this is, that's right. right. We're not that's fighting. right. And fighting. Wrap if it is photos. fighting, no strikes, right? <laughs> it's just sincere and poses. Just to be clear, after he's had a three-round fight, that's when we start fighting, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Kev, I, I will, I will tell you this right now. Be prepared. I didn't know until I knew, and I'm passing this knowledge on to you. You better be ready in case there's a fighter who is just calling you out, my man. I actually really appreciate you giving me the heads up on this. I'm going to practice. Please do. And, like, catch yourself by surprise in a mirror. That's probably the best way to <laughs> And then move to camera and then move to practice opponents. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm in. I think I get this. Yeah. Okay. It's time for some shout outs i will lead off because usually after raf attends an event he has a longer shout out list um because he's very sincere at keeping people's thank yous bjjfinder.com the world's premier jujitsu school locator type in your zip code you're in find a gym near you to go train you'll find people's reviews it's really helpful bjj mma Training center out in Chantilly, VA, doing Gi Monday. No Gi Wednesdays, Raph. I'm loving it, though I forgot how much more cardio yeah. and less grip is involved. <laughs> uh, especially when you're like someone that's new, someone that's like the emerging mm-hmm. um, athlete. You kind of forget without that Gi on, a lot less shit to grab onto. So a lot more I hunting. I will tell you this. Uh, my favorite was at one point, having to just drill like maintaining back control with someone has been rolling for already an hour and they're super slippery yeah. so you're just kind of like all right i got the back i had the back the back is gone I no longer have the back <laughs> the back, the is, back gone. is gone and there's nothing i can do there was literally a slip and slide they just weep. <laughs> very hard to hold on to people uh so come check out they have beginners classes going every night now monday through thursday so always awesome fun that's gonna do it for me <laughs> is that how you end it? fun <laughs> is the funniest way of closing a segment you've done in some time i'm hoping we are young <laughs> will jump out and Sorry. cheer me up mm-hmm. yep uh yeah dude okay um i'm gonna start by shouting out valley martial arts center Mac. the good people over there always great training let's see who we can spotlight today kev let's Ooh. figure out who deserves a spotlight spotlight, the spotlight today goes to uh my good friend carlo mm. let me tell you why kev why <clears throat> and i don't appreciate this i don't know if you do but uh so, you know, I helped Travis put together the seminar a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy I trained with, his name's Carlo, came, took the seminar. And uh, our good friend Marcus was also having a seminar for one of his buddies, uh, Waldo Zapata, who's a really, really accomplished black belt. Yeah. And I couldn't make it. And I was really sad about it. But you know who went? Carlo? Mm-hmm. Like... Some D bag who thinks he can just 
sift in and take my seminar, friends, and just learn all the techniques to use against me when I probably don't know what they are. So uh, really cool stuff, Carlo. I hope you learned a lot, buddy. <laughs> Did he learn something new, it sounds like? Yeah, he totally did. Uh, Although, no, 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 he hasn't used any of this on me yet. But I, I definitely, like, when I saw him in a photo, it was like, how dare you? Hey, no hey. One, no one makes nice with my friends and learns their techniques. <laughs> that... when they're supposed to just show me and I'm supposed to use them against everybody. Damn you all. But I got very protective for a while. I... But uh, Carla and I had a good laugh. And I'll tell you this much. Uh, I did tell him, I was like, I expect to learn every one of those goddamn moves. And he's like, I'll help you. And I was like, done. Now I'm no longer mad at you. So shout out to Carlo, who is a phenomenal training partner. Uh, I hope he and everybody over at Systems had a great, great time. And since we're going to Systems, let's shout out Marcus Caval, who was already shouted out on this podcast. A couple of times, uh, it sounds like. Guys. And insulted, which is always our favorite, if we can do both. He's the worst. I don't know why I continue being his friend. He actually stopped me mid-fight. And mind you, Marcus is a fighter and a journalist. So you'd think he'd really have an investment in watching the fights? Stops me. Looks at me and he goes, hey, Raph, hold on. Mate, get out your phone. I was like, what? He's like, get out your Let's take a selfie. And I'm like, why are we? There's a fight happening. <laughs> and he's just posing and he won't leave until I take this fucking selfie. And uh, to his credit, it turned out very well. You can go find it on the Instagram for uh, Verbal Tap Cast. So, uh, yeah, we are credible MMA journalists. Credible. Uh, let's also shout out, well, incredible, one might say. Yeah. Uh, let's shout out Karen Bryant, Wadak from MMA Heat. Uh, some of the best real professional journalist friends that we have. Always classy, always nice. Uh, let's go ahead and also shout out Eric Jackman for hooking it up and uh, think good care of us doing a fantastic job holding it down at glory all the good people over at the great western forum a very very nice venue for this event uh i actually want to thank joe Schilling just for being a beast after he fought i just said you know can i grow up to be joe Schilling? <laughs> was he okay with that i i don't know you know joe's doing his thing after this i didn't even go bug him so uh i don't know if somebody's listening to this who likes him or who knows him but Joe is a friend of the podcast, and he always will continue to be. And after performances like that, we always like to say, that was fucking, if it wasn't a fight of the year candidate for glory or for kickboxing in general, it damn well should be. We'll make it ours. So props to him. It'll, we'll put it on our fight yeah, of the year that. list. Verbal Taps fight of the year. Done. The Verbal Tapsies, the awards <laughs> that we give out every year. I just love that you're finally uh, acquiescing to the Tapsies. That's great. The I, no, 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 I'm not. I still think that's... The dumbest thing in the world, but I knew you'd get a chuckle out of your own writing. Because <laughs> if there's any way to placate Kevin, it's to like be like, "Hey, Kevin, here's your own writing." And Kevin's like, "Hee hee hee, I'm so funny." Hearing you also, because you gave me a healthy amount of pain about it. Not the not this is shout outs, Raph. This is not the time for our bickering. <laughs> uh, I also want to thank um, Jesus, our good friend Alex Perez, who just destroyed it. Alex was doing coverage on the Instagram, was taking really cool photos and uh, was, you know, Alex is one of the best people to cover with and uh, just a totally cool, like right-hand guy to be like, dude, this is going on. Not, this is how good he is, Kev. When we walked there and he heard that there was food, he's just like, dude, sit down. I'm going to get you a second plate if I get in there. 
And I was like, dude, you're the fucking best <laughs> co-pilot you could ever I was going to say, for. easiest way to my heart. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Alex Perez. That sounds like fun. And that would be Raph's condescending way of wrapping up his shout outs. Beautifully done. <laughs> That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, shut up. Hold on. No. One more. Hey, everybody, go watch our fucking thing around the mat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. The big thing, we all got together, we talked about Worlds, Dream Jiu-Jitsu, uh, everything that's state of affairs in the sport of Jiu-Jitsu, Kevin's in it, I'm in it, some of our other idiot friends, BJJ Breakdowns, John Evans, and the Take It Uneasy podcasts, very unique, Lex Friedman is also on the podcast, and, and we you brought did back some, Brian Carlson to talk a little bit more in depth. You did some sincere editing to make this a little bit up, you up the ante here. Uh, you know what, guys? We're the reason why we have to talk about it. We're excited about it. Yeah, we think it's different. We think it's fun. We'd love to get your guys' feedback. And, and seriously, it is a passion project for all of us because we all love the sport and we all want to do our part to highlight people who deserve to get fucking recognized for <laughs> working so hard and fucking competing. It's it's goddamn annoying that people don't get the credit they're deserving in the sport. I'm done. Thank you, guys. It's been a great night. Good night. Bye. Uh, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Perhaps <laughs> all sorts of fired upsies. I am. I'm not supposed to end on a fucking crazy note, but that's just, I'm so angry. <laughs>